Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. My favorite part of the Game Time app is the selection, whether it's uh, concerts, games, whatever it is. They've got everything there on the Game Time app. Colton, what's your favorite part of the Game Time app? You know, the two tap checkout is super easy and it saves you a Love lot of Love the two tap. Love it. Love you know? the two tap. Just, and, it, and that's how it should be, you know, just get your tickets and go, man. Like, it, it's a great part of the app, and uh, I think everyone should uh, check it out. The number of taps, you can count them on one hand, just two. That's all the taps you need. You can get your tickets, and now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 in credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Player App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account. And under the Billing section, redeem code the Athletic. That's redeem code the athletic one word for ten dollars off your first purchase. That's free money, people. And then you only have to do the two taps. Credit is only available to the first one thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, which, depending on when you're listening to this, is coming up very, very soon. That's the athletic one word. So make moves quick. Score last-minute tickets with Game Time. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Well, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk Michigan State football, the Pinstripe Bowl, and the end of some eras. Uh, quick reminder, as we close out 2019, to go back and listen to our All-Decade podcast on this feed, we brought Joe Rexroad and talked about uh, all-decade best moments, best players from Michigan State football of the decade, most of which was in the first half of this decade. But we're here to talk about the end of this one. That's the Pinstripe Bowl. Colton, you are back home after your trip to New York. How's it going? Going good. Uh, New York was a lot of fun. Um, got in around 9.30 on the 26th. Um, Mark Tony had a press conference. I wrote a story. Uh, later that night, met up with some of the MSU beat writers for dinner. Um, went to an excellent steakhouse in Brooklyn. It's called, uh, what's it called? St. Anselm, Anselm, something like that. Uh, highly recommend it if anyone's out that way. Um, I had a butcher steak, this sort of uh, potato casserole and iceberg salad with bacon. It's very good. Very good. And that was certainly the highlight of, uh, of your trip, right? I would say so. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the game itself was, was all right. You know um, what? The game itself was all right. And yeah, yeah, you know, first time in Yankee Stadium, that was cool. Um, the open air press box that everyone was talking about it actually wasn't that cold. You know, it was like mid forties. Uh, got a little colder as the game progressed, but you know, I moved to like the back cafeteria <laughs> dining room. Nicole Auerbach gave me that tip, so shout out to her. Um, but yeah, it was an entertaining game at least. You know, there's some drama there. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty good trip overall. 
Is it? Are you able to type when it's that cold? You know, I was. I, I don't know hot. about some other people. I, I saw some people wearing some gloves with like their fingertips poking <laughs> out. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought that was a little dramatic, but you know, it was fine. <laughs> so about that game, that's what we're going to focus on here in this episode of Pinstripe Bowl and the MSU win 27-21 over Wake Forest. Uh, we're going to get into full-on 2019 look-back, 2020 look-aheads later in the week. Uh, but for today, we're just going to mostly focus on this game because uh, there, there is a number of things to talk about. Um, my initial impressions. My first thought kind of when it was over is that this kind of summed up the whole year. There were flashes of, of good stuff there at times. Lewerke ended up with big final numbers, but there were some bad mistakes, and MSU could not put a game away. Came down to a fourth down and long, as we've seen several times this year. Um, and it kind of, we kind of got the whole MSU season in one game, and um, that was my first thought when this when it finally ended. How about you? Yeah, you know, I, I wasn't expecting like a ton of things to just get magically fixed just because they had a couple of weeks to prepare for a game. You know, um, at this point, you kind of are what you are, and you know, we saw we saw you know what we'd seen throughout the season with this Michigan State team. So, my my first impression: they accomplished their goal. You know, the team sent their seniors out with a win. In their final game, those dudes were pumped. You know, Raekwon and Kenny were out there hoisting the trophy. You know, Brian Lewerke was in a good mood after winning the MVP. I know it's the Pinstripe Bowl, and and you know it's not the most prestigious bowl out there, but um, a win is a win. It's certainly better than the alternative. Um, I will say another thing that kind of stood out to me. I was really impressed with the returning players in their post game comments. You know, I think you can learn a lot about you know the mindset of a team, especially with you know so many months to come. Um, until their next game, you know, just after after bowl game, just kind of their thoughts. You can learn a lot from that. So, you know, Cody White was out there talking about the team and how, you know, they need to improve. Um, you know, Jalen Naylor was out there talking about the young talent. Uh, Trent Gilson was saying how this experience was good for him. And then Antoine Simmons, you know, he'll be a senior next year. Um, he specifically said, hey, my class hasn't won anything. You know, the pinstripe bowl is cool. The holiday bowl is cool. But, you know, we want to accomplish more. That's not good enough. Um, you know, he's talking about a Big Ten championship and having his name in Spartan Stadium, things like that, which, you know, those are <laughs> lofty goals for anyone. But, you know, I think that's kind of like where this the mindset of the returning players are. And uh, I guess we'll see if they can get there or not. Um, next season's looking like a little bit of a rebuild. But um, just to have that mindset after a game like this, even after a win, it's kind of good perspective, I think, for the team. Yeah, let's you, you mentioned that his class hasn't won anything other than a couple of bowl games. This senior class going out is the first one under D'Antonio not to win a Big Ten championship. Um, mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the 2010, his first class, 2010 team, they won a share of the championship. Uh, things changed after that, so obviously this team was not in a position to contend for a share. Uh, but the quarterback thing, one of the biggest things I wanted to see coming into this game was whether they were going to play some of the backups and get some guy, get guys some actual real game reps to prepare for next year. And D'Antonio had said he was going to play the quarterback who gives them the best chance to win. Well, Lewerke played every snap. Nobody else came in. Um, so we, we didn't get that. And they wanted to win this game. It was pretty clear that winning was the most important thing that they wanted to do. And mm. whether or not we thought that was the right thing to do in the future, go into that a little bit more about what this meant to Lewerke to get the MVP, to, to those seniors to, to – a win is a win, and it did mean something for them. And I know I was a bit, uh, 
I don't want to say negative, but cynical after the game <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> and you called me out a little bit. No, it's all good. <laughs> but uh, you're you're right that um, this did mean something for Lewerke. Uh Just what was that like seeing everybody, especially the seniors, to at least finish it out like that? Well, first of all, like none of your tweets were wrong. They're all totally spot on. I just want to say that. I want to make that clear. <laughs> and he, he's also talking about the movie tweets too, not just the football ones. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, I think this was big. You know, I think some, some of the guys up there was, you know, Kenny Wilkes, Brian Lewerke, and Mike Panashuk after the game immediately. And they're up there and they're talking about, you know, yeah, it's the pinstripe bowl, but going out in, in a, with a win in their final game meant the world to them. You know, Kenny's like, hey, I've met some brothers for life. Brian Lewerke was talking about how, you know, some of these guys will be at his wedding and, and they'll keep in touch about the future. And I think that's just how close this group was. You know, a lot of these guys came up together and, you know, they, a lot of them will finish as three-year starters. You don't really see that all that often. And a lot of times you get, you mix and match some guys from different classes and that's how it is for the most part. But a lot of these guys came up together after a terrible 2016 season and they overcame a lot. And even though they didn't really accomplish everything they wanted to accomplish, I think they kind of became fan fan favorites and faces of the program together they're leaving together with a win so i think that really meant the world to them um so i think to to see those guys you know up on the stage and hoisting the trophy and celebrating together with you know the green and white confetti raining down them i know it's again context is key it's a pinstripe bowl they beat you know a wake forest team playing in the acc but uh it was was a nice way to go off i thought our nick baumgartner had an interesting piece coming off of the game and compared it to two years ago when MSU won the holiday bowl and all these guys who are seniors now going out with a win, they got a win as sophomores and the future looked very bright for the next years of MSU football. Instead, they go seven and six back to back years. Um, just kind of, uh, it's an interesting juxtaposition to, to think about two different bowl wins, two different outlooks for the future involving the same people. But, um, Wins a win and, and it's there's not go go celebrate it. I I sh- nobody should take away from that at all. I I think there should be even more bowl games. I have no problem with so many bowl games, um, and a wins a win and people should celebrate it. So let's talk about the game. Uh, let's start on offense. Takeaways, thoughts, reactions on offense. Um, what what stuck out to you when uh, you look just kind of the way things played out. Um, yeah, I thought Brad Salem actually did a nice job calling this one. Um, he was mixing some things up. He worked to get his speed guys the ball with room to run, blockers in front, things like that. Um, I like the fact that MSU used the quarterback runs on third and fourth and short. Mm-hmm. Always love to see that. That was um, notable because the Rutgers and the Maryland games, they had been stopped three times on third and fourth and one or something like that by handing it off, and we were making the case about QB sneak, and they did at least one QB sneak mm-hmm. on a – Short play, got it, and there was another. They did incorporate some quarterback run and some short yardage because, as we all know, QB sneak is undefeated. It is. So I think the coaching staff. I think what we learned from the pinstripe bowl is that they listen to green and white noise. Um, everyone else out there <laughs> should too. <laughs> but uh, yes. yeah, if you're listening, tell everybody else to listen. Yeah, but um, you know, there's going to be plenty of time to talk about the coaching staff. But if Salem does come back, individually speaking. I think he's probably done enough to, to justify it, um, at least coming back in some capacity. Uh, I know the production wasn't there, but I think there are some things changing. I think the offense is slowly evolving. Um, now you want to see that taken to the next step, and you want to see them keep recruiting some speed players to kind of make this offense go. But 
you know, I think there were some some bright spots from that game. Um, Brian Lewerke finished with a nice game. You, it's funny with him because you sort of think he's having an off game. He makes some some bad throws here and there, and then you sort of look up and he's got strong numbers. You know, yeah. 120 yards. He had 40 rushing yards and touchdown things like that. So that's sort of been his career in a nutshell. Um, but yeah, Elijah Collins finished just shy of a thousand yards. Some of these receivers were impressive. You know, Cody White with 98 and touchdown. Trent Gilson a career day. So, you know, I think they're bringing back some young talent. That's encouraging. Um, I think it was good to see those guys play well in, you know, a bowl game, a, technically a postseason game um, where they have something on the line. Um, so now I think it's about sort of reining in that talent and seeing what you, what you have when they're all on the field in 2020. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually you just brush it off or blame yourself, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com green and complete an online visit. Just go to GetRoman.com green to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com green for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com green. Yeah, uh, Elijah Collins finished with 96 yards on 21 carries, 4.6 per carry, and Looked looked had looked to have some bursts and some power that we hadn't really seen the last couple of weeks of the regular season. I thought he looked a lot fresher um, as a red and as a retro freshman. Nearly hit a thousand yards. I think the future is bright there. Lewerke finished 20, 26 for thirty seven for three hundred twenty yards, a touchdown and an interception. You mentioned the rushing yards, and he breaks the MSU career total offense record, mm-hmm. which. People following it closely realized how close he was. I did not realize how close he was until it happened, or at least until he was getting close. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy because he passes Connor Cook for the career total offense record from an individual. Yet, in his four years, three years, we'll say three years. I know he didn't play all those years. He was injured, stuff like that. But in his three years as a starter, MSU was never in the top 100 in yards per play, <laughs> which, which I think is a... It highlights just how it's really been a one-man show for three years. There, he has gotten very little running help at all. He finally got some this year a little bit, but overall, MSU's rushing numbers as a team are still not good at all. Um, and Lewerke is a big part of those rushing yards. He's the first MSU quarterback to rush for a thousand yards in a career. Um, so it's it, you know when you look at the record book, when you see Brian Lewerke up there, number one total offense. A lot of what I think people are going to associate with his career is struggling offenses. But some of that was on him, but a lot of it wasn't. And um, so, but hats off to him for the record. I I think that's certainly um, notable and can't take that away from him uh, without a doubt. Uh, my, My other thoughts on the offense is Jalen Naylor is, is, has the kind of, game-changing speed that MSU lacks elsewhere and lacked most most of this year. Naylor had a foot injury at the beginning of the year, missed almost all the season. And you can see his speed is on a different level than everybody else. His speed is the kind of speed that plays at Ohio State and stuff like that. And 
they got him involved as many ways as they could. He had five catches for 60 yards and again a 10-yard rush. He was used in the jet sweep, which came back. And speaking of Brad Salem and his play calling, I actually I, I said this throughout the year, but I, I think his play calling has generally been fine this year. It, I, I don't think that's been the problem. I think execution has been a bigger problem and player development has been a problem. But uh, in terms of the play calling stuff, I agree that Brad Salem I thought called a, a good game. But Along with Naylor, we saw the future pieces. MSU's losing a lot from this team. Lewerke's gone. Most of the defensive stars are gone. Daryl Stewart, your best receiver, is gone. But you can see some energy from some guys like Anthony Williams at running back, like Julian Barnett, a wide receiver, like Trent Gillison, a tight end, like Trey Mosley, a wide receiver. Um, and presuming Cody White comes back, I know he said he's going to look at the NFL – I can't imagine in a this is going to be a stacked wide receiver class going into the NFL draft. I can't imagine he'll be projected very high. That doesn't mean he won't go, uh, but he also has a father who uh, was very close in the NFL for a long time in a, uh, a uh, front office role. So he he's get, he'll get a good understanding of where he goes and what the right decision is. But if he comes back, there are pieces to work with. I think and and pieces to possibly build around. I mean, did you kind of get that sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Naylor because the things that he can do are things that have just been missing all year. Um, it's what Keyshawn Martin used to do for MSU back in the early D'Antonio days. Um, guys like that who can go all over the place and their speed is just different than everybody else in the field. Right. And it's not even just his vertical speed. It's like, when you give him the ball in space, he can make some moves. He can get a field. Um, you know, he had a lot of yards after the catch. We like how many times did you see a, a receiver getting yards after the catch this year? It didn't feel like it was a ton. It's been it's been several years that MSU does not get that. Yeah, so I think when you see Naylor on the field, you see Cody White. He's really stepped up the last three games. I know the competition has kind of softened a little bit there, but you know, I think he had a strong finish to his season. Um, you know, you see a guy like Trent Gilson, who is you know a receiving tight end. Um, he can he can vertically stretch you out. We saw him beat a couple. He's tall. He's big. Yeah, he's six four, uh, about two fifty. Um, so he can run. Uh, he'll probably be the starting tight end next year, considering you know Matt Seibert's graduating, Matt Dotson is recovering from the Achilles, and No Davis in the transfer portal. So he's probably looking like tight end one going into twenty twenty. Um, it was good to have good to see him have a game like the one he had um, against Wake Forest. And then Trey Mosley, you know, we haven't really talked about him, but uh, you know he came in with some big catches and he had. Four catches for 50 yards, some, some big catches late in that game. Um, super young. You know, he's still 19 years old. He's got plenty of time to continue his development. So you've got some pieces. We're not even talking about Jaden Reed coming into the mix. You know, Julian Barnett, we'll see if he sticks that wide receiver and potentially moves back to defense. But I think you've got a lot of names to feel good about with this receiving core. Um, got to find a quarterback. Got to find someone to throw it to them. But uh, I think there were some, some positive developments from that game with this group. Yeah, we're gonna have to. They're gonna have to find a quarterback. We talked a little a lot about it uh, in a previous episode. We'll talk about it more in the looking forward pod later this week. Um, but yeah, there there are pieces here, and I think it's going to be vitally important to find a coaching staff, coaches, assistants. I think offensive coaching changes need to be made to get in some people who are going to be able to take advantage of these guys who I think have very high ceilings, and uh, we don't know if there's going to be changes. If they do, we'll talk about them when they happen. But, um, again, we'll get to that in, later in the podcast. Uh, 
Defensively, MSU allows 351 yards, 5 yards per play. Uh, Jamie Newman goes only 12 for 27 throwing, 3 touchdowns and interception, 87 yards on the ground, 5.1 yards per carry. My thoughts on the defense, they, they settled, settled in after the first drive. It was, um, you know, the opening kickoff goes out of bounds. The defense gives up a touchdown on the first play. MSU uh, goes three and out and has a bad punt. It was, it was a pretty terrible start. But after that first drive, a 65-yard uh, scoring touchdown drive for Wake Forest, the, they only had one other drive that went longer than 40 yards. So I, I thought this was MSU's defense kind of getting back to playing at its best level. Um, you know, they were beat a couple times deep and could have been, been beaten a couple other times deep with a better throw. But uh, I, I thought it was a, a solid total effort for the, for the defense uh, in the final game. Yeah, um, a couple of breakdowns that led to long touchdowns. You can't really have that when you're facing a quarterback like Jamie Newman. Um, he's got a great deep ball and, and took advantage of some weak coverage at times throughout the day. Um, despite only having 175 passing yards, it seemed like he had more than that. Um, but I thought they pressured him. I um, thought they made him uncomfortable. I think the defense had four sacks. Uh, they seemed to pick up on that sort of delayed mesh there and, and kind of you know picked up on that in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to a shutout. You know, they didn't give up a single point in that second half. I thought that was huge, um, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, we saw the MCU offense struggle to put the game away. So the defense, you know, coming up big there in the second half was huge. And uh, so was that final defensive stop. You know, we, we've seen so many times throughout the season, you know, obviously the Illinois game and Arizona State come to mind specifically. But, you know, this defense not being well, able to Maryland get off the too, field. I think. Maryland too, I think. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So many times that this defense has just – you know, not been able to get off the field when they needed to. Um, and now you're talking about a bowl game, you know, a lot of emotions, uh, you know, the end of a lot of careers on the line there, whether they go out on top or go out with a loss, which would have really been a painful loss there if they were to give up a late touchdown. But, um, you know, they came through, they got that defensive stop. Um, players were talking about how big that was. I think they all huddled together and said, hey, we're not going to go out like this. So um, to see the defense kind of bounce back after struggling a little bit, like midseason, you know, it wasn't the easiest run. This defense wasn't as dominant as we thought it was going to be. But um, to have a second half like that and really come out the way they did, I thought that was huge. Yeah, and Wake Wake Forest made some very impressive catches. Uh, those wide receivers made some really tough grabs that uh, led to some of those touchdowns. So uh, shout out to Wake's receivers as well. So MSU will lose a lot on that side of the ball, and um, we'll get into that later in the week. But uh, – uh, it's the end for a lot of those guys like Kenny Wilkes, maybe Josiah Scott, uh, Raekwon Williams, um, a, lo- a lot of the guys, uh, uh, Mike Panisha, guys who have been the, the, the foundation of this defense for three years. Uh, and there will be a lot of um, a lot of changes on that side. Uh, some other just random thoughts from the game. Struggling to finish, which we just talked about. Um, again, this team struggled so much with putting a game away. MSU was up 27-21, and they had three drives inside the Wake Forest 30-yard line in late in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. Those went interception, fumble, and a missed field goal. Um, that all Any one of those, even the first two, if you make a few, any one of those, you get three points, it, all the, it, it, it very likely puts the game away or, very, or almost to it with the way the defense was playing. And it just felt like, I don't know. Here it goes again. What what was the mood 
in the stadium when when that was happening? Um, I think yeah, some doubt started to creep in when Coglin missed that field goal late in the game. Because <laughs> you know you have a chance to go up two possessions and you're feeling good at that point. I think there's a little over three minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way Wake's offense was playing in the second half, the way MCU's defense was playing in the second half, you felt good if you can get that to two possessions. But you know, once he missed it, it's like all right. This is this is looks a little familiar, a little too familiar for for my liking, um, but you know, just they were able to come through and, and, like I mentioned, get that defensive stop. I thought that was big, but yeah, this red zone inefficiency has been an issue for years. Um, again, I wasn't expecting that to magically change in the bowl game, um, but to get two touchdowns and seven red red zone trips, like that's against a bad Wake Forest defense, that's a problem. Um, that's going to need to get corrected. I don't know how you correct that. I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know if it's execution down there. But, you know, maybe a little bit of both. But it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be better. I did not realize it was seven total trips inside the red zone. Yeah, two touchdowns and seven trips. That put, I think that put MSU below 50% on the year, which is mm-hmm. uh, bad stuff. And as you saw with both Memphis in the Cotton Bowl and Ohio State in the semifinal game, the ability to finish drives is literally the difference between winning and losing. Mm-hmm. And it almost cost them in this one, and it cost them – multiple times throughout this uh, season. Uh, anything else on this game you wanted to talk about that I missed? Um, yeah, so I kind of rewatched the game earlier today. Um, a couple of young players really stood out to me, but I, I, I think one of the most impressive players was a guy that we don't really talk about, Jacob Slate. Um, he's a reserve defensive tackle. He was all over the place. He played a lot today. Um, he's got a quick first step. He used his hands really well, um, shut off blockers. He got a sack in this game, but there's so many other times where he just kind of recreated the line of scrimmage. And he, he was part of that defensive tackle rotation all year. But with Raekwon Williams and Mike Panashuk set to leave, he'll be a starter in 2020. Um, to see him have a game like he did today, I think that was encouraging because, like we mentioned, MC loses a lot defensively. I think one of the positions they're equipped to handle that is defensive tackle with Jacob Slade and also Naquan Jones, who, who chipped in with the sack himself. Um, I think MSU's pretty set there. Uh, a couple other guys will probably emerge. Uh, Jalen Hunt's been a guy that Mark Antonio's going to have his way to mention a few times. So I think they like what they have. Ron Burton usually does a good job of getting those defensive tackles ready to go, the next man up sort of sort of deal. So um, Jacob Slade really impressed me, and I think uh, just knowing how much MSU loses, I thought that was good to see. It's a good observation. Uh, let's get into our weekly game awards. Uh, the Le'Veon Bell, how did he do that moment of the game? I'm going with Mike Panashuk's interception return for a touchdown. Not only because it was weird how it bounced and he caught it uh, after off the bounce, but he's got wheels. He took yes. that thing around. He got the he, he got the edge on the corner and, and uh, around the corner and took that thing in and scored a touchdown and got a penalty for taking his helmet off and tipping his cap uh but i mean i did not realize how fast he was and i w- was thinking they should put him in the backfield in some of those third and shorts yeah that surprised me too uh nick and i were talking we're like that's gonna that's gonna help his nfl stock a little bit just seeing him <laughs> move the way he did um yeah. but yep yeah, what a play i mean like i gotta say i love the hat to taking his helmet off like that to- totally worth the penalty and it's was, it was funny because after the game in the interview room um detonio said that he wished panacek hadn't done that Panashuk is sitting over in the corner in this chair next to Brian Lewerke, and as soon as Antonio's like, yeah, I wish he wouldn't have done that, 
he just like shrugs his shoulder. He's like, hey, I don't care, man. This is my last game. <laughs> I, I, I was dying, but yeah, he didn't care. Um, it was a good way to go out. You know, first touchdown in your last game as a senior. You know, that's a pretty cool moment. And the fact that his brother Jacob Panashuk is the one that tipped the pass mm-hmm. uh, made it even better. So I lo- I love the play all around. It's really fun. And uh, that's what you want to see in a bowl game, some fun games, like fun plays like that with some big man touchdowns, things of that nature. So uh, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, so I, I think you said it right, big man touchdown. I didn't want, I didn't say fat guy touchdown because he doesn't, he's not really a, a fat guy. He carries it well, yeah. He's he's pretty tall. It, it didn't look like your typical fat guy touchdown. So I, I think big man touchdown was a better way to phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you have a, another nomination here? Um... No, I mean honestly, I got to go with Panashuk. I thought that was that was definitely yeah. the standout play of the game. Yeah, the John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. We had we had a few of these in the fourth quarter, I think, to choose from. I'm going with the missed field goal. I think it was 28 yards. Doinked it right off the the, the upright, as we just said, would have made it a nine point game and all, but won the basically won the game with three minutes left or so. Uh, Cogman's had a number of those. He's missed all. A lot of field goals this season, and he will be back next year, and we'll see how things go. But, uh, man, uh, 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 it's a position that has either been really good or really not so good for MCU over the past 10 years. And this was one of those years where it wasn't and cost them a few times during the season and uh, didn't cost them here. It almost did. So I'm going with that missed field goal. Yeah. Um, MCU is bringing in the number three kicker in the country. Uh, Jack Olson, I, I think he has a chance to push for immediate playing time if, if Cogman keeps struggling, you know. Um, so I guess for me, I just go with the red zone issues in general. You know, like mm-hmm. you're talking about something that screwed up the game. That absolutely could have changed the outcome. You only win by six points and you have a chance, you know, you come away two of seven, two touchdowns and seven trips. You know, that's just not good enough. Um the main problem with this offense, you know, besides you can point to a few things, you know, the offensive line play and, you know, some things like that. But really, it's 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 the red zone execution, leaving points on the field. This game should not have been as close as it was. And uh, that ultimately falls on uh, red zone execution. That's a good point. We, we I guess that's kind of hovering over all this. We didn't really say it. But, yeah, MSU won the game 27-21. But based on how the game played out, it should have been a lot more. And that was mm-hmm. the case with the Rutgers game. That was the case with the Maryland game. They should have put Illinois away. Um, this case with the just a, a number of games where it's just, they didn't um, didn't didn't finish their chances, and that's that's what championship teams do, and uh, that's why Clemson is going to the College Football Championship game again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mike Sadler punt of the game. Uh, Jake Hardberger in the second quarter had a 54 yarder that actually had a decent return. And eventually led to a Wake Forest touchdown, but Hardbarger made the tackle, and that's why I'm picking that one. Anytime you can get a punter tackle in there, especially his last game, <laughs> got to go with the punt that led to a Jake Hardbarger tackle for my punt of the game. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was pretty huge. That really saved a touchdown. Um, it, yeah. It, it was weird watching watching that play develop because you're like, all right, someone's going to get this guy, right? Nope. Nope, nope. And then Harbarger comes in last bit and make, saves the day. So that's a pretty good choice. I'll, you know, I, honestly, I'll go with that one too. Um, he he had he sort of shanked his first punt, which is mm-hmm. kind of surprising to see. It was like thirty-two yards. Um, so I don't know if it was the best day for him, but yeah, 
a tackle by a punter in his last game. Why not? Let's go with that. And I don't know if it was that one or a different one, but Dominique Long missed uh, missed a play on a punt return and it led to a decent return. And I think you made a comment during the game that uh, mm. you don't see that very often, and that's what happens when uh, when he misses is that there right. ends up being a pretty good return. I think that was that same one, yeah. Yeah. Might have been, yeah. So that wraps up the pinstripe bowl. MSU finishes the season seven and six. Uh, not a season that MSU fans will remember very fondly, but a winning season nonetheless. We'll see what happens with the future now. Are, are there going to be coaching changes? D'Antonio said he'd wait till after the bowl game to do that. I said that may not be the best decision. I compared it to Arizona State, which fired some coaches all right when the regular season ended. And as we stand right now, Arizona State has filled all of those spots. So MSU is still waiting on if they're going to make changes or not. Uh, Texas just hired its offense coordinator. There are a lot of schools looking for offense coordinators. Oregon, Notre Dame, Washington, Texas just got one. So if D'Antonio makes a change and tries to bring in a new offense coordinator, there will be competition and uh, we'll have to see what goes on from here because it's pretty obvious that the the complete shuffle that he did last offseason did not work and uh he uh, so yeah i don't want to get totally into that yet we'll talk about it later in the week we'll wait and see what happens with the coaching staff uh we'll talk more about 2020 later uh, later in the week colton what should readers check out from you on the athletic uh both off the game and anything new coming this uh this week I'm going to write a story about some of MSU's returning playmakers just because we, you know, we just talked about that, but I think that's worth a story and, and talking about some of the pieces they have coming back. Um, last year, something I really like to do, I wrote this, uh, you know, 18 stats that define the, you know, kind of what you do after uh, each college football week, but I did an MSU specific one, um, 18 stats that define mm-hmm. the 2018 season. I probably do one of those for 2019 as well. Um, and then one more story, just kind of what's next for MSU and this program, you know, staff changes are probably on the horizon. Um, you know, they might need to find a quarterback. Let's see if they'll look into the transfer portal and, um, you know, a few more things that I think could, uh, define the off season coming up here. So yeah, we'll have plenty of off season, plenty of off season coverage coming up. So, uh, stay tuned and keep reading the athletic. Yep. And I'm, uh, we're, we're not sure how many episodes we're going to do after, uh, this the next one when we're when we're doing a look back in 2020 preview just because there won't be a lot of football stuff to specifically talk about a lot of people have shifted into basketball um, but keep checking out uh, check check for us later in the week and make sure you're always checking what Colton's doing uh, on the athletics the athletic Detroit because there will certainly be no shortage of football stuff to write about and we'll still keep writing about football throughout. Uh, the rest of the winter and into the new year, especially if there are some changes that that may be coming. So keep an eye out for that. So for now, that'll do it here. Please rate, review, subscribe, give us feedback on Twitter, give us five-star ratings, any thoughts, good or bad, that you like, please let us know because we pay attention to that stuff. And the support is much appreciated. We will also try to probably do some mailbag. Um, so tweet at us any football questions you may have. So for Colton Pouncey, I am Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the road dog, Jesse James. And we will see you on the other side.